Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Greg, how are you today? Bless, 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 bless. Yes, yes. You know, Greg, uh, we're going to have a powerful show tonight. Oh, yeah. I think this show is definitely going to enlighten and bless some people. Yes, it will. I believe that, too. You know, Brian, we get so many emails from people that tell us that they've suffered from so many different things, but they just don't know how to bring it out and put it all together. Right. Tonight, I think a lot of people will have the answer to what it is that they're trying to do because I really believe that a lot of people have books in them. They just don't know how to get it out. And if you go to the graveyard, there's a lot of best-selling authors out there. But the thing is, they took it all with them. Right, right. And a lot of people are waiting to hear your story. But, Brian, I think what happens a lot of times is when people go through situations, sometimes they're shameful. For example, it may be someone that's dealing in rape. A father may have raped the daughter, and that daughter is now grown, and and she sees uh, other people going through the same thing, but she won't say anything because of fear of what society may think about her. Mm -hmm. You know, have you crossed anybody that has a great testimony but they keep it to themselves. You know, I, what, I've, what I've encountered is that there are a lot of people who have a story, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to tell it. Right. You know, they'll tell you, well, I, have I, I want to tell my story. But when it's time to put that story on paper and bring life to that story through the power of the pen, you know, they freeze up. Yeah. It's almost like they, they've gotten to a point where it's like a writer's block. Mm-hmm. You know, they have this story, they want to tell it, but they don't know how to, you know, put it on paper. You know, and I've even met some folks that once they put it on paper, they haven't put it in a way that people can relate and understand it. It's sort of like they've written down their thoughts mm-hmm. as is. Mm-hmm. You know, you even know like, I, I give an example, like my son, when he writes, and he has to tell a story about something like in a book report. He'll write it the way that he says it. You know, instead of writing it in a way that it sounds like it's a you know literary text. And I always tell him, you know, put your thoughts on paper, but don't write it the way you think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, with with some people, they they have great ideas, they have great dreams, they have great goals. But they just don't have that that extra something to get them over that hump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, they don't have that extra something. That, and so our guest tonight, I believe, is God sent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, to oh, give us that extra hump. And you know what? Before we bring our guest on, we have so many people that are afraid of going out looking for a publisher that they think that that this thing is only for the wealthy and the the people in the know-how. They think this is just for them. No. Go ahead and write your book. Go ahead and put it down in writing. Don't worry about how it's going to get published. Don't worry about I need an editor. Don't worry about any of that. 
just go ahead and put it in writing and pray and trust and know that God will send the people that you need so that you can get your book out there, so that you can tell your story. God is faithful. He's very faithful. He won't take you through something just for you to keep that something to yourself. Because when he delivers you from that or whatever it is that you've gone through, you need to tell the story to someone. You need to let them know that what they're going through, they're not the only one that's going through it. So tonight's topic, Brian, is he's faithful. Yes. Tonight's topic, again, is he's faithful. He is. Yes. Tonight we have a wonderful mother. She's also a published editor and Christie Book Awards judge. She'll tell us what that is in a little bit. But our special guest tonight is Dee Stewart. Dee, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. We really, we really believe that what you have for people tonight is really going to be a healing process. We believe that dreams will come true tonight. People will start writing. Uh, they'll just be happy about waking up in the morning so they can get back to writing again. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes. Dee, what, how did you start writing? Was this something that you did at a young age? Was it a dream? No. Um, actually, I, I wrote, um, I, I have a twin brother, and um, I wrote kind of, it was a, my own personal thing, because when you're a twin, you have to share everything. <laughs> so I began writing to kind of have my own thoughts, and um, it moved on from there. I was in a gifted program through um, secondary school, and we wrote the school paper. And then when I went on to college, I still wrote the school paper. And then uh, uh, when I graduated, my I thought I was going to be an architect. In fact, I was for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I became disabled when I had my daughter. She's seven. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't, uh, I had a... Uh, um, postpartum heart failure, mm. where your heart um, doesn't pump um, like it used to after you have delivery. Right. So I couldn't go back to uh, um, um, blueprint machines, and uh, it's that type of industry is hard on um, the, the body, yes. female, um, that those fumes and stuff. Your heart. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I was home um, doing some. Um, Rehabilitation um, for my heart therapy, and um, was introduced to a person who owned a radio station and a Christian newspaper. And he asked me to look at their newspaper because I also, um, when I was working in architecture and project management, I did write for trade magazines. So I still was writing, mm-hmm. but more like on a professional corporate type level. Um, so I looked at their newspaper, and they asked me to do a couple of feature articles on pastors and come up with some ideas, and so I began writing for them and working for the radio station. And I moved, but I moved back to Atlanta about, let's see, my daughter's seven, about four and a half years ago mm-hmm. um, because there's better heart failure treatment here. Mm-hmm. And um, the newspaper decided to come here to Atlanta to have a second um Edition, and I began writing for them. And once I started writing for them, 
I was approached by a lot of magazines and uh, newspapers here um, to write for them, and and then I met um, a couple of editors and publishers in the publishing industry, and I began to work with them, mm-hmm. um, looking at manuscripts, telling them whether the books are good enough, because I also review for a couple, uh, quite a few magazines. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of um, you do one thing and then you you find yourself doing something else. Um, when I was sick, and I still am disabled, but when I was really sick, um, I talked to my mom and dad about the whole newspaper thing, and they told me, well, it'll keep your mind off of your um, illness because it was uh, at the time my doctor said I had only two years and and I had a uh, newborn. And so I was kind of in a state that I was like, um, just didn't feel like it was fair and I had did all the right things. and mm-hmm. um, I even had her um, natural childbirth. I did everything good and my doctor said I'm going to die. And so my family said, won't you write and take your mind off of it? And I think that helped me um, with my um, rehabilitation because yeah. I am much better than I was. Yes. So how how old is your daughter now, you said? She's seven. So God has been faithful through all of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and I'm no longer terminal or anything like that. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I guess what your parents were telling you is not to accept what you were told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And you know what? Was writing an escape or something so that that can take your mind off of of what you were being told? Because it sounds like you never accepted it. Well, at one point I did when I my heart was not pumping enough because, you know, heart failure is a, a very hard, hard feeling. Yes. And uh, my doctors were not, um, they, they look at you like they don't know what they're doing, so they're just waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for you to die because they don't know what to do. <laughs> wow. And so uh, so at, at that time I felt like that was going to happen. But um, my um, cardiologist, I tutored him in math in, in high school. He was a senior and I was a freshman, which was kind of funny. But he um, decided he wasn't going to let me sit in the hospital and um, and um, die. So he life-flighted me to Emory here. Mm-hmm. And um, they... Um, they uh, specialize in postpartum heart failure, so that's mm-hmm. how I began to get better mm-hmm. um, from them. So, um, but when I wrote, I didn't, I wasn't writing t- to not think about it because it's like hard not to uh, to escape from it. But right. um, when I was an architect, I worked uh, I worked for an architect firm that only built churches, so I was around a lot of. Uh, Pastors a lot, and so there are a lot of issues that regular newspapers, mainstream media don't talk about mm-hmm. because it doesn't sell papers. Right. So we have Christian um, newspapers or Christian outlets where we can um, see what's going on and um, or um, topics that affect the Christian worldview. So I was excited to be to do something that still was um, uh, I could use my talent. And not really think about um, right what you were going through. Couldn't control. There's some, there's some things you can't control, and that's how I kind of looked at it. Well, I can't control what goes on with my health, but I can go today and write um, interview this you know right. person and write an article. You know, so I, it, it was like a day to day, week to week by week type thing. Okay. You know, when you were going through, and the doctors were 
He said they that the, the way that they were acting as if they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what the next move was. Mm-hmm. And then you said that they they made a decision to life flight you to another hospital. Mm-hmm. During this period, you know, your you, your mind is going 100 miles an hour. You're thinking you're not going to make it, but we know God has the last say. So, mm-hmm. you know. What type of relationship did you have with God at that period? I, I know we say we get closer to him when we go through something like that, but then again, some people, they they move away from him because they're they're angry because they're going through that and they don't understand why. Um, I think um, for me it was like different phases. Like I said, um, before I got sick, I was working for a Christian um, architect firm and most of the thing, places that I did work for were either faith-based or, um, um, I wouldn't say non-profit, but they were um, like the Jimmy Carter Center, places that right. worked toward the betterment of the world-type um, companies. So I always kind of had that um, idea I want to work to help people. But my relationship with God, um, it was... I think it was strained before I had, before I became pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I think the pregnancy kind of brought me, well, not the pregnancy, the birth brought me um, back to understanding who, you know, what I am and what I'm supposed to do. Right. And so once I, I felt that, you know, this is who I am and God is, in, uh, what He wants me to do with my life. Then my daughter said my life is cut short. I felt like that wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it was kind of like, I don't, I guess it was kind of, I don't really believe it, but when you, your body doesn't do what you want it to do, and there's a uh, point, and I, I, I talked to my mom or friends, but I said, you, you don't understand unless you've been there, but right. your body doesn't do what your mind is saying to do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just, I just said I'm going to get up and I can't get up. And everyone's looking at you like, get up, and you just can't get up. So eventually you just, um, you either, there were times when I felt like, well, I guess I'm going to die, and um, but I'm a Christian, so I'm going to go to heaven. But I think I was more concerned about my daughter, where she get to know me, you know, um, how would she go through life without me. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I was doing more like, uh, you know, she needs me because I would, I would um, say, well, her dad can't take care of like me, or my mm-hmm. mom can't, you know. That type of thing. So I spent more time on um, trying to convince God I should be here for her. Right. And then that wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> you can't uh, negotiate with him, can you? <laughs> yeah, the uh, negotiations, it wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. And our title of the show tonight is He's Faithful. And we have on with us tonight author and just dynamic woman of God, Dee Stewart. And Dee, if you don't mind, we're going to go to some callers because okay. our phone lines are lighting up over here. And so we're going to go to the caller from the 687 area code. Six, seven, caller, are you there? 678. I'm sorry, from the 678 area code. Oh, Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> yes. Atlanta caller, are you there? Speak up if you're there. Hello. They may just Hello. be listening. They may just be listening. All right, they're just listening. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the caller at the two five two area code. Caller from the two five two area code, are you there? 
Yes, hello. Hi, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Give us your name, please. Uh, Fionn Davis. All right. You have a question or a comment? Um, yes, I was just wanted to respond to Dee, what she had said. Uh, I'm just coming up on the radio station just okay. now. Um, I'd just like to say that, uh, bless you, Dee, um, I have myself been through a lot of traumatic things, and the good Lord has got me through a lot of it, and I thank him for it. And from that, he's blessed me to do a lot of Christian writing, and uh, I know he's not done with me yet. I just like to let know, uh, Dina, that she's in my prayers. Yes, yes. So when did you start, uh, Carla, when did you start writing? Uh, I started writing when I was nine years old, actually. Oh, okay. Have you published uh, any of your books? Have you had any of your books put out yet? I actually, uh, the good Lord blessed me to uh, do my own books, actually. Wow. Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's so awesome. I think I think caller and Andy. I think that the things that we go through in our lives is so important that we share them. And D, what you're doing tonight is just awesome. I had no idea. You know, you and I we spoke a couple of times before you came on the show, and I had no idea that you had gone through this. Mm-hmm. No, I had no idea at all. And it's it's just you know I just thank you for opening up and uh, just just sharing your testimony with us. Um, I think what you're doing again, a lot of people that want to write will start writing now. And when you and you were hearing the doctor saying that you only had two years left, what did that do to you as far as okay, God, just give me a little bit more time and and I, and, I, and I will attack my dreams. I will be who you created me to be. Was that something that you were saying? No, it was more like, like I said before, when I had my daughter, I I guess um, looking at her, I realized, okay, I'm a, a mom, but I have a greater purpose than me. I think before I had her, I was more um, just thinking about me and um, where I want to go because I worked a lot of different places. I tried different things. I wanted to travel and see everything. But then when I had my daughter, it was like... Um, I have to teach her the world, and i got to make sure she's safe and she's got to know things and nobody else can teach her mm-hmm. those things but me, and that's um, very uh, that's not the right attitude to have, but that's how I was talking to God. And I, um, nobody can show her this, so I, only I can do that, so you can't let me die. So that was my whole um, thing with God. It wasn't um, um, trying to plead and that. Um, and anything else, but she needs a mom, and I'm the only mom she could that could do that for. Her. Mm. So that's more what I, my whole mindset was on, because she was brand new, and I wanted to experience her and see her, you know, grow. Right, right. Yes, you know, I think about that because I have a family member who had to experience that, and you know, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He didn't choose to take care of himself he sort of fell into that thing of man i'm gonna die anyway so you know you know he didn't have the attitude like you had where you wanted to live where you you know you gave yourself a reason to live and so what would you say to those out there who you know who are going through that and you know that that have that feeling of despair have that feeling of just no hope um, to 
they need to be um, kind of, uh, you kind of have to get a little humble and um, ask for help. Some people don't know you need help, um, even though you're, um, like, when I was very sick in the hospital, people know you're sick, so they come and visit you. But once you're home, because um, most hospitals just kind of fix you up enough to get home, mm-hmm. um, then you're home with the illness, and everybody's going back to their life because they think you're out of the hospital, you're fine, but you're you're dealing with um, diabetes or cancer, whatever it is, at your home. And you have to ask people, I need help, and tell them what you need. And um, don't be afraid to do that. And if your family, and I, another thing I learned is that some family members, you expect everyone to be able to do everything for you, but they can't. Some people just can't um, see you sick. They can go and do things for you, right. get groceries or keep your child or or um, um, take care of paperwork or bills, but they can't come in and physically bathe you and that kind of thing because they can't. Um, it's hard for them to to see you sick, and for your betterment, you want people around you that makes you feel good. So, if you have friends that are nurses or um, uh, relatives who are nurses that can come and do that for you, I would strongly encourage you to use them, and then not, and then also take the, and they also take the pressure off your immediate family, right? Because it's um, it's very hard on them because they. It's hard to take care of somebody, and you love them, and you don't want them to uh, die, and they kind of have this um, air that they're hoping you don't die, but they're looking at you like you might, and that affects you. You think, well, if my mom or my dad or my brother looking at me like I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But that's not what it is. It's they're scared and they're hurt, and and um, everyone can't internalize the um, the same way. Right, right. So they have to, you know, you have to kind of let um, your family members um, do whatever they can do and, and you know, be glad that they can help you. Yes. So, Dee, if someone is out there right now going through and they want to write a book, which, you know, we've been saying the whole time a lot of people want to write their book, mm-hmm. where do you tell them to start? Because, you know, when people are going through and they start writing or they've already gone through and, and, and come on the other side, mm-hmm. and now when they start writing, they have to open up those old wounds. Uh, you know, when you start writing, things start going back and you start reliving what you've come out of. Mm-hmm. Where would you tell them to start? Um, I've, had, I have a, um, I've had quite a few clients like that this year um, that I did some editing and ghostwriting projects for. That had um, some of the things they wanted to, um, or that they wrote about, were very, um, um, they were life changing and very hard, and it's so hard that even family members didn't want them to um, write about it, threaten to sue, or any kind of that type of thing. <clears throat> what I would advise them to do is first um, um, do a lot of rest and prayer with God on. What it is you're doing, because um, I, I talked to a lot of people about knowing when your work is ready for a national platform, or whether it's something local just for you and your church, or something private just for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you write something, you need to get something down just for you. But if you um, are in tune with um, God and the Holy Spirit will guide you, and He will tell you 
this story has um, a universality that affects more than just the people in your neighborhood or or this subject is something that needs to be discussed that hasn't been discussed and it needs a national platform. But I wouldn't do I wouldn't um look at how to get the book published first until I talk with God about it. You can write it and as you write it, um and you you stay close to God while you're writing it, he will tell you how well this book will go, whether this is something just for you. Um, like I've written things that are just for my daughter, you know, um, about how I felt, so I'll give to her when she, when she's older. Um, and there are things that I've written for um, Precious Time magazine and um, Gospel Today magazine about um, um, disappointments with motherhood that affect Christian women on a more than just me. But some things I have to set aside and say, this is just for me. This is just for my church. This is for a mass of people. Hmm. But you can't figure out what that is until you start writing and um, talking to God with it. Um, I, I would advise somebody before, when they write every day before they start to um, sing a psalm or a hymn or pray or, you know, read something, do something to first connect them, um, make sure their spirit is um, in a peaceful place before they begin to write. Awesome. Yes, you know, I, I never thought about it in that light. You know, that some things you that you write will be just for, you know, specific people. You know, we, and when you think about writing a book, you usually think about writing that book so it goes to the masses and you get everybody to hear what you have to say, what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now that you've said that, it makes a lot of sense. Like, even in my own writings, you know, a lot of things I'll write, and I'll say, I don't like that for this particular thing, I don't like that for that particular thing, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't seem like it fits. And it always has a way to, you know, whatever I've written down, I I end up up using it in a way that I never thought I could use it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so when you said that, it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about people who have written, like, a lot of stuff down, you know, because I know some individuals that have written, I mean, just tremendous amounts of, you know, literary work. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, you know, very personal. A lot of it is, you know, very spiritual. But they just don't know how to put it together. What would you say, you know, what would you tell them as far as, like, you know, how to, how would you be able to help them bridge the gap? Um, they should um, find a a local um, critique group or writers group in their area. If they're in a small town, then they may be um, um, online um, writers groups, and they can also get um, take some online writing classes, or online online seminars on um, writing. Um, what I um, did um, a year, um, maybe three years ago. I decided I wanted to try fiction <clears throat> um, to write novels. Cause I've written short stories for a couple of literary journals um, through college, but uh, novels are a little bit more um, commercial. I took a year-long writing workshop with the guy who wrote the book, The Fight Club, which has turned into a movie. 
and he gave a free workshop to the first hundred um, people. It was in a magazine, and I was one of the only, um, I think, women, women too, that um, got in the workshop. But I learned a lot about storytelling um, from him because when I mostly write or magazines, and that's a t- totally different type of writing. You're writing, um, it's very um, factual, and there's not a lot of personality in it, but when you write fiction or um, uh, novel type things, you have to be a little bit more creative. So the person has to, they need to know what's the difference between um, nonfiction and fiction, and even in nonfiction, whether their book is a guide or a memoir or an autobiography. Um, in my Sunday school class now, we're writing spiritual autobiographies um, for ourselves um, on going back and seeing how we became um, Christian and how, and how has our faith um, been reshaped or grown. That's something personal for us. But um, I'm doing a how-to guide for other people how to write their own, which is more, which is something totally different. So I think they would need to first get a basic understanding of of the different types of writing, mm-hmm. the different types of storytelling, and they can get that a lot of that free online. We just had a um, free writers workshop with um, Soar Mag, which is um, Shades of Romance magazine. They had a free work um, conference last month, and we talked about basic storytelling. Um, and if um, People want to contact me. I can give them the link because all of the classes are still online. They can read them on different types of stories. I um, mean, um, if they just Google or check around online, or even check with their local um, public libraries, um, different community. Um, um, in where I live, our community has classes. You can go at the community um, college and take, or your public library has free classes where you can learn basics on writing, or just you can go to the library and pick up a, um, quite a few books on um, basic writing to see where does your typewriting fit. Because mm-hmm. um, maybe the person who's um, written all those things may um, can not write novels. They may only can write nonfiction, but they have to know the difference of you know where they are so they can know what type of stories that they will be writing. Yeah. The, what about a person that wants to write something that's very, very painful to them. Mm-hmm. Let's use, for example, let's say a father raped his daughter, mm-hmm. and now she's an adult, and she wants to write about that. But now you know when this person writes this book and they're still living in the same town uh, with the father, it will get out. Once once that book is out there, it's out there. They can't, they can't take it back. Mm-hmm. What is the best way to keep the town from being torn up and people, just families just falling apart, the communities just up and off? What is the best way to put a book like that out? They can. There are a couple of ways. One, they can write. Um, you write with a pen name, and um, which is not their name, but a name they. Um, Choose a lot of um, writers use pen names. They don't use their real names for um, security reasons. Um, they can also, while they're writing the book, change the name um, of the the people in their story. They can even change the setting where it doesn't have to be 
that town because the story is unless the story is uh, has to do with some type of uh, legal battle in that town or something like that. If it doesn't, then the town setting isn't relevant, so they can change the town name. Say that mm-hmm. the town has been changed. Um, if they want to promote the book, they can use a publicist to help promote the book. Um, a lot of um, book um, book signings, uh, a great deal of authors do well and don't do book signings um, in their local town. Or, like I said, they can use a publicist or mm-hmm. a street team to um, help build publicity in their town for the book. Or they could write the book as a guide, kind of like a T.D. Jakes or um, a um, Beth Moore type guide type book with chapter breakdown and use bits and pieces of their life story as example and not say it's them they could use a they can use a generic term, a woman or someone I know and use that as an example mm-hmm. without other people knowing that that's them and they're talking about their family. Right. And and, and by them doing that they will they can still have the same effect in, in whatever right. it is that they're trying to get across to the people, right? Right. And when they're writing, um if they're thinking about self-publishing that their book, then they need to make sure that they get their book um, edited under an APA style, which um, is, um, I don't know, that's, that's like a publishing term, but um, the, it's the American Psy- uh, uh, Psychiatrist or Psychological whatever Association, and, it, and what the APA is, it's, there are certain words or things you cannot say in a book that is going to be published um, that could be uh, could cause the author to be sued. Right. So um, um, if they do some research or go to, to the library to find out APA manuals, or, um, the Chicago Manual style is an um, a editing style book, but um, they all follow a certain rule of there are certain words you can't say um, um, in order to for the safeguard the publisher and the safeguard the author. Right. So they want to make sure they have their facts um, checked, their work cited, so that um, if someone came behind them, um, they don't want to get sued. I do, every now and then I do get um, authors who's turning things, and I have to send it back and say, you got to get more information here because you can't make a blatant statement like that without um, some documentation to prove it else. You're gonna have a you'll have a big battle. Mm. Right, wow. right. Like they can't say in their book, for instance, this particular person did this if they don't have any proof to back up that that person, you know, did that. Or maybe they mm-hmm. might say that person was responsible for, you know, something that happened, and they don't have the proof to back it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they if they're gonna use a person's name, then they need to make sure they have. Um, some type of documentation, whether it's um, you know a newspaper or a book or a legal um, document that has that person cited for being responsible. But they have to make it. Um, they have to make sure that they get um, edited or make sure that what their their work is um, accurate to the best of their knowledge. Okay. All right. If you're just joining us. You're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have on author, publicist, editor, and Christie Books Awards judge Dee Stewart. You know, Dee, I've always thought of writing 
you know, children's books. But I, for some reason, I'm so I'm much so much of a big kid that I felt like the book wouldn't be, you know, I don't. I, I guess I have writer's block, <laughs> you know. But I've always thought about writing books for children, you know, about children, you know, because I have a heart for children. I love working with children. I have three children of my own. I actually have twins. And so it's funny you said that you were a twin, because I have a boy-girl twin. Mm-hmm, that's me. Yeah. And so, you know, and then, ironically, I have a seven-year-old daughter, so we have this weird kind of connection here. <laughs> you know, but, you know, what would you say, like, not necessarily to me, but to others who, you know, don't know exactly what to write about, but they, they do know that they want to write about something, like, in in this case, I want to write, I want to write factual books, mm-hmm. but I also want to write, you know, just some fiction. Um, one, um, if the person wants to write for the Christian publishing industry, I would suggest they get the Christian Writers Market Guide, mm-hmm. written by Sally E. Stewart. And it has it's a resource guide, and it has all the different markets in publishing, and all the different um, companies that are um, looking for um, authors. And it also tells you what type of stories they're looking for. Now, like with the children's, and if you're writing for children children's market, um, children um, the authors of those they have to be able to write. Um, a certain standard based on the grade level or the age of that child. They right. have to use only certain letter numbers and words that children of that grade level know. And the stories have to be repetitive. If it's a if it's first through third grade, the stories have to be repetitive, and they have to be. They're not as um, it's not as easy as it sounds writing for a children's market. Right. Um, if you were, if they write young adult, then that's a totally different thing. But each um with the Christian Writers Market Guide you see um some of the the publishers you may have um if you look at the books your children have in your room mm-hmm. um they'll you can find the publishers in this book and you'll see what they're what they're looking for and that gives you a basic understanding of do I fit that publisher is is that actually the writing that I want to do if it is then you join um, there are organizations that write uh, help children's writers. Um, there are organizations that help um, um, non-published, I mean not non-published, um, non-fiction writers. And then there are um, organizations that help um, fiction writers. I'm a member of American Christian Fiction Writers. Um, but I also, um, for writing for journalism, I'm, I'm a member of the Atlanta, I mean not Atlanta, the American Black Journalism Association. So there are different organizations you can get involved in, and they will have workshops and training on helping you learn um, what you what techniques or what do you need to do to be able to write for that market. So you don't have to know everything right now. If it's an interest of yours, then you get with one of those groups and. Um, most major cities have different um, writers groups, even if you look in your local paper. I think, um, I don't know if it's on the Friday edition of most papers, 
they have a listing for events, and and usually they have different writer groups at Barnes and Noble. And right, right, I've seen um, those. Mm-hmm. And if if you see one that fits the the niche that you're interested in, you can go and listen to them talk and see if um, that's what you want to do. And um, the people in your area um, that attend those workshops, I mean those um, those meetings, know a great deal about your industry, and they can guide you. Well, you know, I want to ask you this question. We have so many people that once they start writing, they may write three or four pages, and they're, and they're so motivated to write, but in the next couple of days or the next couple of weeks, they're no longer motivated. Mm. How can someone stay motivated to finish their book? Because so many people have started writing, and they just stop at some point. They say, well, do you have writer's block? No. I just don't have time to write. I just don't this. I just don't that. And it's like they're no longer motivated to really get what they want out there. Well, they um, there's a couple of things that um, that person has to concern themselves with or um, understand. One is if they're writing, and you know everybody may not be writing for God; they may be writing for themselves. But if you're a a, a writer and you're Christian, or you're a Christian writer. You need to have some time with God to discuss, you know, what are your your agenda and your goals for the week and are they in line with what God wants you to do. Sometimes he wants us to just be still for a while. Sometimes we have other uh, projects. Sometimes if we want to write, and this is an issue that I'm having right now, I have to, and other people will have to say there's some things that I'm doing that are not helping me toward my goal. Mm-hmm. I'm doing too many other things, so I'm going to have to drop something if I want to do um, reach this goal, and um, so they have to really um, seek God to find is God calling them to write right now. The second thing is they need to get with a writing partner or somebody to help motivate them to write, um, because writing is a lonely it's a lonely um, art. You're usually with your mind and your pencil and paper or your computer and you're coming up with thoughts and it gets very lonesome and you and you um go out to to meet people to get out of the house or out of the library and then you get sidetracked. But if you have a writing partner and that's why joining a local writing group or an online writing group, you can find someone who's gonna say Okay, um, I'm going to write four pages a day, and I'll send you my four pages, and you and you send me your four pages, and then you're motivated. I have to turn in this every day. Or um, if you you can also write for your local church newsletter or a local paper, um, and that kind of gets you in the routine of writing every month or every week, and um, and so you become it it, it becomes almost like. Um, your breakfast and your lunch, you're going to take some time to write. Uh, hello? Hello? Yes, yes, we're here. We're going dead on the other phone. Um, so, um, what else? Dying on me. There we go. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. yes phone phone died, phone. Sorry. <laughs> um, what did I say? Uh, seek God, uh, find a, a critique partner, and three, they need to let people know that they're writing. You need to let your family know, your friends know that you're writing. This is something I don't do much because I write a lot for other magazines. But this year I'm focusing on a novel, so I had to say, 
tell people I'm writing a novel because what happens is your friends will call you and they say, well, how's your book going? If you didn't write today, that will motivate you to write before you go to bed. So you have to let, you can't kind of write in a bubble. You have to let people know you're, you're writing. And another thing I would suggest they do is start, if they have a computer, online access, start a blog. Um, they can use the blog to help build their stories, write about, um, write a little bit every day on there. People will come um, come to your blog, and the blog is an online journal. Um, and um, people will come to you and make comments, and they'll motivate you to keep writing. And what I think most people need is some type of motivation um, um, to uh, keep them on the on the right track to see if that's what they want to do. If there are other things going on, family tragedy or workload or that kind of stuff, then maybe they can only do... Um, for now, just write at their lunch break or that type of thing. But if you have a writing buddy or you let your family know or your church know that you are writing, they will they will motivate you and, and um, constantly encourage you to write. Yes. If you just join us, you're listening to the Abundant Solution Hour. We have with us author D. Stewart, and the phone lines are just lighting up. Up, wow, D. We're gonna to go to another phone. Okay. Uh, we're gonna to go to the nine one nine area code nine one nine five seven two. Are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Do you have a question or comment for D. Stewart? Um. Well, first of all, I love D. Stewart, even though I haven't met her. My name is Sharon Ewell Foster. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Good. And um and I'm an author uh too and um um Dee is a Christie Awards judge and and I think I'm still the only African American Christie Awards winner, right? Right. And uh um and and I just wanted to piggyback on what she was saying about um people being motivated. I think one of the things we um, have to remember is that all of us are writing for different reasons. Some people are called to write because they're supposed to be published. And so it's important for those people that are supposed to be published to stay focused and to try to stay on task. But some of us are writing. We feel moved to write because it just gives us personal clarity. And so sometimes those people that are just writing for clarity, just writing so that they can hear God in another way, they may not be called to write every day or every week. It may just be um, an occasion or some stress or something that brings out their writing. And that's okay, too. And they don't have to feel guilty about that. I don't know if that that makes sense to you, but sometimes we think that we're all called to be the preacher mm-hmm. or we're all called to be the author, and, and, and that's, not just, that's just not the case. Some of us are called just to sing in the pew mm-hmm. and not necessarily to be Vicki Winans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And you shouldn't feel bad if you're called to be the singer in the pew because they give glory to God and also encourage the people around them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so true. That is that is so true. Wow. So you're the first African-American Christie Awards winner. 
Yes. What year was this? Um, let me see. I I was trying to look online. I think I won in it was either two thousand or two thousand one. My uh very first book came out in like around November, December nineteen ninety nine. And so I was really on the vanguard, right, D of mm-hmm. African American <laughs> authors that were right. writing Christian fiction. Wow. Um so <laughs> when I came <laughs> When you looked around the room, I really was most of the time like the only chocolate chip in the cookie, you know. <laughs> and it's still there. <laughs> so what's the, what's the name of your, of your books? We want people to get out and buy them if they're still available. Well, um, my first book was called Passing by Samaria, and I won. that's the book I won the Christie Award for. Um, my second book was called Ain't No River, and I won the... Um, Golden Pen Award uh, from the Black Writers Alliance, and it was on the Essence Bestsellers list. Um, I, I've written seven. Should I go through all of them or just give you the name of the latest one? Well, it's up to you. It, it's feel free. Uh, feel free. We want we want we want people to read and 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 understand that they can do what you're doing. Okay. Well, um, then the third book was called uh, Riding Through Shadows. Then after that, passing into light, and then uh, uh, ain't no river. I got so many comments from people that I made it into a series. So it's ain't no river, ain't no mountain, and ain't no valley. Mm-hmm. And then my latest book is called um, Abraham's Will. And I, I guess everybody has seen in the news now about the Cherokee Nation expelling the freedmen. Well, it's about the black Cherokee. And still when I think about it, it just gives me chills because when I was writing, none of this stuff had happened about the Cherokee Nation expelling the freedmen. But really that's what was for, what what is foreshadowed in the book. So. Mm-hmm. And that's called Abraham's Will, and it just won the award for what is it? Romantic Times, help me, D. Uh, a reader's choice that's inspirational, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Carla. We thank you so much for calling us, and we definitely gonna have to have you on the show at some time. Yeah. You should. <laughs> oh, I I'd be thrilled to do it, but I I just called you know because D has done so much uh, to support writers. Yes. I mean, she she encourages readers, but she has done so much um, um, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes to, to help writers. And I just want to say I appreciate you, Dee. Yes. Give out your name again so people will know what books and the author of the book that they're going to buy. My name is Sharon, like Sharon Stone, <laughs> Foster, like Foster Child, Sharon Foster. Okay. All right. All right, well, Miss Foster, we appreciate you calling into the show. Yes, thank you. So oh, thank you for having me. God bless you. I wound my way through all that technology and found my way here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right. We really appreciate thank you, hey, we appreciate Sharon. the call. Oh, thank you, Dee. So, Dee, do you, so you really don't have a lot of African American writers? Is that what I'm what I'm hearing? No. <laughs> yes, yes, we don't. <laughs> Um, the uh, African Americans writing in the Christian, um, well, Christian publishing period is um, not that many. I mean, we've only been writing 
in Christian fiction um, commercially maybe maybe a, a, a little bit over a decade. Now, the mm-hmm. first Christian fiction novel was written in 1865 by Frances Ellen Harper, who's called Iola Leroy. Mm-hmm. But um, and most books way back then really had a Christian theme to it, but what we call Christian publishing um, with, um, and you look at your family Christian stores and a lot of CBA stores, um, their version of, of Christian publishing is more of a safe, um, clean read type um, type thing, and there are not that many African Americans um, that write for CBA, and CBA is a large publishing industry. In fact, um, inspirational fiction is one of the fastest growing fictions out, uh, fiction um, genres outside of urban uh, books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I do encourage other writers um, to to keep writing and to get into the industry. Sharon is um, 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 Bishop T D Jakes um applauds her all the time for her writing and she um just is a wonderful writer and has a great spirit mm-hmm. and what she said was true about writing not just writing um any Christian artist because I do publicity for gospel artists um and um ministers. All of us aren't gonna be bestsellers and um celebrities and a lot of people um think that if you don't write um, for a mass market that um, you're not um, writing in, or you're not you're not participating in what God has called you to do, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. Um, there are, like I said before, you have to decide. You have to get with God to find out whether your writing is on a personal level. Is it for your local um, body of Christ, or is it for a national platform? And um, you won't know that unless you're um, convening with God, you know, on a consistent basis. So you think we need to find out first? Like uh, I heard you say that before, but I want to see if I can break that down. Are you saying that we need to find out the books that we're writing, is it for God's glory or is it just for us to be on this platform glorifying ourselves? Right, because if, it's, if you're writing for God, it, it doesn't matter where it goes. You could give it away. It, you don't have, I mean... There are some people who, if they're not, if you don't sell, uh, you know, you're not on Essence bestsellers list, and you're not on New York Times, and you're not an author, or you're not a um, successful author. But with a Christian author, your goal is not to, um, your goal is to sell books, but your purpose is to glorify God and edify the body of Christ. If you are doing it locally with your church, or your neighborhood, your town then you are doing that thing. You don't have to have um, your books in all the Walmart and everywhere um, in order to do that. Mm. And when you look at writing on a national platform, you also have to look at you're going to be writing for a mass of people. So your words or your stories have to fit people even in Midwest um, that probably only know maybe one black person in their entire life. When you're writing, I'm here in Atlanta, there are stories I can write here in Atlanta that I could um, that would be successful, but if I took them somewhere else, a person wouldn't get it because they're not from Atlanta. So you have to decide, you know, look at your writing and take a. Um, sometimes it's hard to step back from our work 
that's why you need a writing partner or you need a, a group, a writing group or a organization to help you because they'll look at your your writing and they'll and they'll say, this is this is only good here, and you need to go a little further for here, mm-hmm. and um, take that. But long as if, if you're doing what God has called you to do, and you're just writing Christmas plays for your church, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. And I think we we live in this culture where, um, and it's like a Christian kind of culture where you're you're fighting for celebrity. Um, you want to be the next CC one, and you want to be the next, and that's not what God. Uh, that's not God's plan for us. Right. He wants us to edify the body of Christ, you know, the body of Christ. And every and if we look at um, the 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 lives of, of some of these people, they put in a lot of time before they got to that place. And we have to put in time. Yeah. And so it's not a get rich a quick thing or that type of thing. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So, see, if someone wants to get in touch with you, maybe just come out and talk to their group or, you know, maybe they want some additional publishing tips, how would they be able to contact you? They can contact me through MySpace at um, dgospel, myspace.com. D-E-E Gospel G-O-S-P-E-L You know what Brian There's a lot of other Sharon Fosters out there in the world There's a lot of other D Stewart's out there in the world And when I say that And I'm not saying that they're going to do exactly the same thing That you're doing But you have the same capability Of writing Winning the awards And that's not It's not all about winning the awards It's about Just like D said you're writing for the glory of God. You, you, you know, the things that happens in our life, our lives really, it's a book. It's a book. And if we put it out there, but just like D said again, we have to make sure that we speak God first. And when you do that, you cannot fail. You cannot fail. When God orders your steps, I don't care who come against you. I don't care what they try to do. You cannot fail. You will be victorious. But, Brian, do you have anything left for D? You know, D, I just want to thank you, uh, Greg and I both. We thank you for coming on the show. We thank you for, you know, giving up your hour to enlighten us on, you know, the, the publishing industry and, you know, about books. I mean, I've gotten a lot of great tips and ideas and a lot of great insight on the industry from you. And so, you know, I thank you personally. Yeah. And also, you know, on behalf of the show, we thank you for coming on. And, you know, to all those out there, you can do it. God is faithful to you. He'll be faithful. When you hear Dee's story, how, you know, she had the issues with her health, where she couldn't go back to what she was used to doing. She could have easily thrown in the towel. She could have given up. But instead, she decided that God would be faithful to her. And so she went on and pressed on, and now she's enjoying the fruits of her labor. For those out there listening, you have been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. We thank you for joining us this evening. 
and we hope that you'll come back and listen to us on Friday. Until then, be blessed.